The Immaculate Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So you're waiting around watching NFL games on Sunday, getting ready for the Steelers to take on the Bills prime time. Well, keep an eye on game time because those ticket prices could drop close to the game and maybe you can sneak in to one of the biggest Steelers games of the season. You can do it with easy two-tap checkout as well. The game time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster and Ed Bashet. The Steelers continue to roll. 23-17, the win in Arizona. They've now won 7 of 8, 8-5 eight overall, holding strong in that sixth playoff spot, an inching closer to the fifth playoff spot. We'll get into all of that on the podcast. We'll talk about the duck and everything that went into this win. Thanks for joining us here on the Immaculate Podcast. Tim McMaster along with Ed Bouchette. And Ed, I will start here. This is, I think it's the second time. Maybe there was another game that was like this, but the Steelers go out west and they bring their entire fan base with them. There was so many terrible towels in Arizona on Sunday. Tim, that is so not unusual. I mean, I've seen that in... uh... Maybe not to that extent, but San Diego. They have a big following on the West Coast. It's called the uh, Black and Gold Brigade. And uh, they sh- they show up for all those West Coast um, trips. And I'm, uh, I'm including Arizona as part of the West Coast. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that, that was expected, I think, especially the way Arizona's going this year. There are probably people selling their tickets left and right. I know people are going to say, like, well, we're professional football players. We play where we play. It's no effect. But if you take the field in your home stadium and your team colors are red and white and you look around and it's all black and gold and these terrible towels being waved, I mean, it has to have some sort of mental effect on you. Well, it's got to be deflating for sure. I mean, um, you know, that it just uh, – I, I've never seen it at Heinz Field, so I don't know. <laughs> right. uh, the closest I've seen is when the Pirates play maybe uh, Cincinnati Reds or the L.A. Dodgers, you know, um, some teams with good followings. Uh, I've seen I've seen that, you know, I've seen it when they've played maybe the Yankees and Red Sox uh, every once in a while that happens, but I've never seen it at Heinz Field. You know, we saw it earlier this year uh, against the uh, L.A. Chargers too, Tim. Yep. Yeah, and that one was was maybe more so with the with the Chargers game in that small stadium. Uh, but it certainly gives the Steelers a lift too, I'm sure. So let's get into it, and we got to start where we seem to start every time we do this podcast, at least recently, Ed, and that is with Devlin Hodges. The Duck does it again. He improves to four and zero as a starter. Uh, this was a quote before the game. I guess they talked to him about being the first undrafted rookie quarterback to win his first three starts. He'd be the first to do it since 1987. He said, I heard people talking about that this week. In my mind, I was like, I guess I need to be the first quarterback to do that just so we can win because that's all I'm worried about. Um, And it does seem like 
it's a just win type mentality with this team right now, whatever it takes to do it. That being said, the numbers are good. 16 of 19 is fantastic, obviously. They didn't ask him to throw it too much against a defense that struggles against the pass. He only threw for 152 yards, but the touchdown and the rating was 117.5. He also he was actually more effective running the ball than Kyler Murray was. Um, give us a grade for Devlin Hodges in this one, Ed. I'm going to give him a B plus. I thought he started out slow, Tim. He was um, he wasn't uh, throwing to his wide receivers. Uh, didn't seem to be able to find uh, an open wide receiver. And I don't know if they weren't getting open. It's hard to tell from where I was sitting uh, in front of my TV. But um, he uh, he he got better as the game went on, and he showed me some more things on Sunday. Uh, when he was rolling left and he had to throw across his body on that third and long and completed it to Jude, or to uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, that was a that was a, that was a big time throw. Something you know we've seen some throws, some deep ones that maybe these receivers helped him out on, some good throws uh, uh, here and there. But that that to me was a big time throw and um, put him a little. A couple more steps higher, maybe, in in uh, people's opinion, certainly mine. Yeah, and you mentioned not throwing to the receivers early. He did get around to doing that, and a little more so than it's been. It's obviously been a lot of throws to the running back since he took over and a lot of low-pressure, high-percentage-type throws. But Deontay Johnson looked like a legitimate weapon in this game. He's shown flashes for sure, and we've talked highly about him throughout the, the season on this podcast, Ed, but... He looked like a legitimate guy who can be a weapon in an NFL offense, doing lots of different things, and and there was just kind of an air of excitement when he had the ball in his hands. Uh, he obviously had the 85-yard punt return. Um, that sparked this team, but he also had the six catches for 60 yards. Overall, a couple touchdowns. I mean, he, Juju Smith-Schuster's out, and somebody has to step up, and Deontay Johnson certainly did that in this game. Washington had done it a little previously with a few big catches, but Johnson seemed like more of a go-to guy in this this game. Yeah, uh, Johnson um, has impressed me as a punt returner, even though he, until uh, Sunday, he hasn't broken one like that. Uh, he makes the first guy miss, and that's important in a punt returner. And... Um, you know, since he's been in there, I've noticed that. And then yesterday, of course, it was the the cherry on top uh, that really got them going. And um, uh, he did, you know, he made that touchdown catch uh, later. And uh, he, he's looked, he's had flashes along the way. You know, he had the bad fumble last week, but that didn't cost him the game. I kind of didn't, still don't like how he holds the ball. He holds it out a little too much. I think they'll probably have to work on that, um, but uh, you know he's he looks like a keeper. They keep drafting these guys, uh, these wide receivers after the first round, and they keep coming up with uh, gold. It is amazing. They just have the knack for finding receivers that that turn into stars, and he seems like uh, the next one. And it's a perfect situation. Um, and he. The, you know, he can do more than he did the punt return, which is great, and he caught the six passes. They also got him the ball on some reverses. He's able to run the ball in that way. He just He's a guy that in his rookie season, it seems like they're now, because they have to, they've put a lot on him, and he's been able to handle it all in stride. Is there is Does that come from just a, a football IQ with Johnson or just his ability to kind of dig in and figure out this entire playbook? Well, you know, one of the – People who really loved him when he played at Toledo, Tim, was uh, 
uh, Daryl Drake, the wide receivers coach who died in, in training camp. Um, I still remember him talking about uh, uh, Deontay at the draft right after they drafted him. And I, I said to myself, wow, I've never heard a coach go so overboard on a guy like he is. He just kept talking all these superlatives about him. Um, and, you know, now they're coming coming true. Um, uh, rookie, it's tough for rookies, it, no matter what position. I think maybe running back is the easiest one to, to break into. But, um, you know, wide receiver, you get a got to build a rapport with your quarterback. You have to learn all the routes, the read routes, you know, where which way to run based on the, how the defense is playing you, this, that, and the other thing. And you have to be on the same page as your quarterback. You see miscommunication uh, used as a, a reason for interceptions and what have you all the time. Uh, but this kid seems to be picking everything up pretty good. Yeah, and you mentioned getting on the same page as a quarterback, and he's been able to do that with a quarterback who wasn't the guy that he was working with during the preseason either, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so Nobody passing... was working in the preseason <laughs> with Duck. <laughs> no, they certainly weren't. Uh, but the Duck, uh, I guess the legend grows for the Duck, so to speak. All right, so the passing game was efficient, and overall it wasn't a – over-the-top offensive performance by this team. They did just enough, which has kind of been what they've done throughout this streak of winning 7 of 8. When you look at the running game, the total 140 yards, hey, we'll take that, 35, 35 carries, 140 yards. That's a, a four-yard per carry right on the dot. Um, but we've over the years known the Steelers as a team who likes to feature one running back, and it was really interesting on Sunday to see how many people got carries. Kareth White, five carries, 41. Snell, 16 carries for 41 as his average per carry dropped a little bit. But then Hodges ran for 34. Uh, Samuels got seven carries in there. They really spread it, spread it around. As long as Connor is now out, is that what we're going to see, you think, Ed? Yeah, it's funny, Tim, because um, I was thinking of some story ideas this week, and that's one of them that I plan to write uh, as I return to to, uh, to work. Active duty? Actually, yes, yes, not just <laughs> part-time duty. Um, how this team has, you know, gone with one back. Uh, you can go all the way back to uh, uh, Fast Willie Parker and, and Mike Tomlin saying he was going to run him to the wheels fell off, and he did. And Richard Mendenhall, same thing. And then Le'Veon Bell, and then James Conner last year. And um, now, uh, through necessity, being the mother of invention, I guess, um, they're spreading it around. And, you know, four backs, four different backs touched the ball on their first offensive series Sunday. Um, you know, that's how many they had dressed for the game. And uh, one, you know, to, um, uh, Edmonds caught one. Uh, he didn't have any rushes, but he caught a pass in that first series. And the other three all had rushes. So it's uh, it's apparent that's what they're going to keep doing. Yeah, and it's certainly interesting. And all those guys stay fresh then, I guess. And, and they're not the featured back, but you have a lot of guys rotating through there. And maybe you end up kind of going with the, the hot hand if you find that. Snell, obviously, two games ago had kind of the bigger day, and they were able to feed him once he, he got going. Um, you know, Tim, the, 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 the strange part yesterday is Kareth White. Right. He plucked off the Bears practice squad. Um, he and Snell both had 41 yards, but White had it on just five carries, and Snell had it on 16. I like that kid. That White kid looks like he knows how to run the football. And, you know, yet another in this 
strange, uplifting kind of drama, good drama-filled season, they're finding guys they may not have found, um, like like this Kane wide receiver who came from the Colts practice squad and this white kid that might help them uh, going forward, not just this year, I think maybe next year, that they wouldn't have found if there weren't injuries. Yeah, the team gets out there every Sunday, and you look around, and you're like, all right, who are the new Who's faces that? that we haven't seen? Yeah, exactly, and and White was that guy, and he uh, spells it W-H-Y-T-E, so a little bit different, but Kareth White, a big day um, as far as efficiency with the five carries, 41 yards. Uh, so the offense was good enough, and that's kind of been what we've been saying throughout the streak, as I said. The special teams... You talk about two ends of the spectrum, man. There was the punt return, obviously, which is huge for Deontay Johnson, and to be able to get points like that in special teams is great. But then uh, they almost gave those points right back in the fourth quarter with the faked punt that wasn't, and this became a big deal because it, it could have been a huge deal. But after the fact, the Steelers win the game, and, and you can laugh about it a little bit. But Jordan Berry, apparently the situation, you can clarify if I'm off a little bit on this, um, but there's always the option to fake the punt, and then there's communication if the numbers are good up front and the offensive line can call it off. And Barry thought it was on. The offensive line obviously didn't as they all went down to cover the punt, and Barry ends up faking the punt solo and just getting drilled, fumbling the football. And, and um, the Cardinals took over and were able to make it a closer game. Um, they got away with it, but this can't happen in an NFL game. Tim, to me, that was a coaching problem. There's yeah. no way you send your punter out there with any idea in that situation with a 10-point lead and where the ball was uh, in your territory and, and, and needing what they needed, eight yards for a first down. There's no way you have that punter should have anywhere in his mind that he's going to fake it. You go out and punt it. And, and for a coach, I, I don't care how many times they practice this, there are situations and there are non-situations. There should be no communications problem. You grab the guy who's going to punt, and you say, punt. Don't run. Punt. You're going out to punt. Forget all the fake stuff. Yeah, and when you uh, after the game, it seemed like everybody wanted to kind of take the blame. Barry said that it was on him that he didn't know it was off, but then Tomlin, obviously, you said it's the coaching, and, and I agree with you, and Tomlin did take responsibility for, for it not being clear. Um, the Cardinals scored three plays later. They cut the lead to 20-17 to 17 at that point, and things really got dicey, but the Steelers able to kick one more field goal and, and hang on. That was one issue as far as coaching goes, and obviously Mike Tomlin is going to get coach of the year votes. We've praised him throughout the season. I'm not saying anything against that, but you like to point out the little mistakes. That was one. Another interesting one was on the final drive by the Steelers. Um, I think it was on the second down play. They tried a quick pass, and Devlin bounced it over to Deontay Johnson, and it stopped the clock, and it basically ended up giving – the Cardinals an extra 40 seconds on their drive where they tried to go down and, and win the game. It didn't matter. The Steelers defense was, was up to the task ad, but that's another one where you would almost rather the Steelers just run it into the line and run as much clock as possible, kick that field goal, make it a six point lead. And then here we go. Yeah. It, it looked like a safe pass the, the, the way it was designed, but um, you know, there was a defender right there and it, they did, they blew you know, 35, 40 seconds um, by not running the ball. Um, 
you know, hey, it turned out okay. Uh, yep. Joe Hayden ending another uh, another you know offensive threat with an interception. I think we're going to start having to call Joe Hayden the closer for this team. He keeps yeah. coming up with these uh, these interceptions on final drives to end things. Um, but let's that that takes us to the defense, which. It was once again um, a tr- terrific performance by that defense. So Kyler Murray, obviously the number one overall pick, comes in and and he's shown flashes this season. He has had other times when he struggled, but he was twenty of thirty for one ninety four, three interceptions. They they rushed him all day, five sacks of Murray. That was good to see, and you knew the Steelers needed to do that. But the number that stands out to me, Ed, for Murray is six carries for two yards. This is a guy with unbelievable running ability and scrambling ability. How were the Steelers able to keep him confined to the pocket and keep him from breaking out and and busting those 20, 30-yard scrambles that we've seen him do throughout the season? He's so quick. Well, when they play a quarterback like that, Lamar Jackson, him, you know, many others through the years, um, they tell their players to stay in their lanes. Don't get out of your lane. Stay in your lane, and um, I think for the most part they were doing that yesterday. And when I say stay in your lane, you know, if you're the right outside linebacker, you don't over-pursue to the left side. Um, You know, you you play your position. There are other guys on the left side who need to play their position too, and if everybody does that, you should be fine. Um, So I think they did that for the most part. They've had a lot of practice. You know, they, they did pretty well against Lamar Jackson, Earlier in the year, in that overtime loss to the Ravens, too, I think they pretty well contained him. May have, maybe more than any other team, Tim. Um, and you know they're gonna gonna face. Well, they may face him again. Well, t- depends on whether that Baltimore needs that game or not. Um, but uh, you know the Allen kid from Buffalo can run a little bit, and uh, uh, you know we'll see. Uh, but they've they've done a decent job against those guys this year. Yeah, and, and overall they did a great job against the run. The Cardinals running for just 71 yards on Sunday. So uh, T.J. Watt, no sacks, but the interception for him, and then Barron, Dupree, Hayward, Williams, all with sacks on Murray as they, they were able to kind of spread it around getting to the quarterback. Um, how about the job of, of just doing that, having sending different people and being able to maybe confuse Murray a little bit? Well, they lead the, they lead the NFL in sacks, and um... – They've led them in sacks last year, and they led them in sacks the year before. I mean, they've, they've led the league in sacks the last two years, and it looks like they're going to do it again this year. So this is not unusual for this team. What what is the the uh, the big improvement? One of the big major improvements is how they're forcing turnovers. Tim, I mean, sixteen interceptions. They had eight all of last year. It tied their franchise low, which actually was set during an eleven game season in the nineteen forties. So uh, that was pathetic, and they put, you know, put an emphasis on that starting in the spring, and it's it's paying off. Yeah, it certainly is. And you mentioned the the turnovers. Joe Hayden two interceptions in this one, including the the closer. And this was the quote after the game from from Mike Tomlin about Joe Hayden. Ed, he's just a quality, low maintenance, high production veteran player. I feel like that's the highest form of compliment you can receive from Mike Tomlin. Quality, low maintenance, high production. Anybody who's ever been around Joe Hayden knows that. Uh, Reporters, teammates, coaches, uh, people in Cleveland said the same thing about him when he was there. Uh, He is one of the true pros I've dealt with um, 
through the years, and I'm, I'm not saying he's the only one. There's been a bunch of them, but he is really, uh, really uh, a um, what Mike Tallman called him. Yeah, uh, he was special. Quality, low-maintenance, high-production guy. So that brings us to uh, the playoff picture. And you, you mentioned it a little bit, whether or not that Week 17 game against Baltimore is going to matter. And it's starting to seem more and more like it won't for the Ravens, I, I should say. Uh, the Patriots lose to the Chiefs on Sunday, which basically gives the Ravens a two-game lead over the Patriots because they have the tiebreaker after beating them. Um, so there's a pretty good chance that the Ravens will have the number one seed clinched. That means maybe Lamar Jackson doesn't play, and that means maybe it's a slightly easier game for the Steelers. Says this is where it sits right now. Um, the Steelers tied with the Titans for that sixth spot, but that's interesting because the Titans and the Texans are tied at eight and five. It's just that the Texans have the tiebreaker right now in the division. So either of those teams ends up tied with the Steelers. Now they'll play the Titans in in and Houston will play twice in the final three weeks. So you'd almost love for them to split those two games and then the Steelers win out and, and they can maybe catch Buffalo. Buffalo, um, obviously, that's the game coming up. So you got to beat Buffalo for any chance to catch Buffalo. But if you beat them, you get the tiebreaker as well. And then you move into the fifth seed. And the key to being the fifth seed instead of the sixth seed is the sixth seed is probably headed to Kansas City to open the playoffs, whereas the fifth seed would play Houston or the Titans. Either way, it's on the road, but when you're thinking about who you're going to play, I don't think anybody wants to go to Kansas City to open up the postseason. So that fifth seed would be huge. Um, Talking about the game coming up with Buffalo, Tomlin said, (laughs) seemed anxious. He said, let's go. We're wasting time. I might fly the plane myself if we can get back to Pittsburgh any quicker. He called it a five-star matchup. Uh, Mark Caboli sometimes talks about Tomlin's little sayings. Is that one of them, Ed, the five-star matchup? Uh, I guess I, I have trouble keeping up with all his sayings, Tim. Um, he's produced, you know, Noel was famous for some, Cower was famous for sometimes butchering some of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mike is certainly, uh, he's produced a, a, a book's worth of, of sayings. Um, you know, I was looking today, Buffalo's a one-point favorite in that game. Um, uh, Buffalo looked really good. I, I watched their game Sunday um, and and their defense looks really good. Uh, the, the quarterback looks so much better than he did last year, and uh, that's going to be a tough game for the Steelers. Uh, Sunday night, of course, they, they moved it. It was supposed to be at 1 o'clock. And, you know, Tim, on another topic you were talking about, I have to laugh at people who say if that game is meaningless for Baltimore against the Steelers that they'll still play Lamar Jackson and their starters. They're not going to do that. Why would they risk uh, a Lamar Jackson injury in a nothing game? Uh, you know, these coaches are so worried about injuries, they don't play any of their players in the preseason. Why would they play them in that game? I mean, what, keep them from getting rusty? I don't think you have to worry about that. I, I think that they'll rest him and a whole bunch of other starters if, if that game is meaningless. Yeah, I agree, and especially against a team that you just said it leads the league in sacks. I mean, that's the worst team you want to play your star quarterback against in a game that means absolutely nothing. Maybe he plays a series just to make sure the rust doesn't settle in. Who knows? But, yeah, I I can't imagine him playing much if they have that top seed wrapped up. And it it seems like they will, but who knows? They. The Patriots are, are struggling a little bit right now, um, having lost two in a row and having lost at home for the first time. And I think they had won 23 straight 
at yeah. home before they lost to Kansas City on Sunday. You, so the you know, Ravens look thing, like. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to cut you off, but another thing that you were talking about uh, Tennessee and Houston playing twice, and you'd like to see a split. I think it'd be better off if one team won both of them. Okay, you know, well, somebody's going to win that division. Yeah, and the other team, you want to have two more losses, so they're not competing with you. That's a good point part. because you're you're going to end up traveling probably to that team regardless of of what their record is because they'll be the division champ. That's a really good point. Um, yep. All right, we got to give out game balls, Ed. We do it every week. Offense, defense, special teams for the Steelers after this week. Well, I should say we do it every week that they win, and early in the year there wasn't a lot of that. But lately, obviously, we've been handing out the game balls. Um, let's start on offense. I always like you to go first. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm going to give it to Duck. <laughs> All right. That's fine. I just, I, you know, I mean, sixteen and nineteen. He had some, uh, uh, you know, he had a, some nice yards rushing. He had five times for thirty-four. Um, no interceptions. I I gotta give it to Duck. He's just there's some kind of magic. I don't know if it's gonna translate. Well, obviously next year they'll have Roethlisberger back, so it won't translate. But but I don't know if it's it's something that you can you can keep going or that he has a future down the road as a quarterback for a long time in the NFL. But right now, ride the guy because uh, there's some kind of magic going on there with Duck. I like to go with Tim, somebody different. Yep, go ahead. If Duck, if Duck, if this were his only season, if he were benched, if he got hurt right now and finished 3-0 and and never played in the NFL again, he, he would be a lifetime hero in Pittsburgh. He could never... <laughs> pay for another drink in this city yeah cult hero he's been <laughs> unbelievable um i like to go a different direction with the game ball so i'll go with deontay johnson who i think duck needs somebody uh especially with juju down to step up and and be kind of an electric player on the offense and deontay johnson was that on sunday so just for the offense not even counting the uh the game ball for special teams because we'll hand that out as well but i'll go with deontay johnson all right on to the defense who's your game ball for defense Oh, I got to go with Joe Hayden. Uh, two interceptions. That first interception, he broke on that ball like, um, I don't know, Rod Woodson. Name me some of the top corners. That was a heck of a break. It, it looked like he knew it was coming, like he was studying film and saw something. Um, and then, of course, the last interception. But two interceptions and the way he did that one, um, I'm, I'm going with Joe. I want to go with the same guy, but I'll go a different direction. I'll say um, I'll go with Bud Dupree this time. Uh, he had one of the sacks, three tackles for losses as well, so able to get into the backfield. So we'll give it to Dupree since since Watt had a quiet day for TJ Watt. I guess just a couple of tackles and the interception, and then finally special teams. Ed, <laughs> I'm tempted to go with Jordan Barry. Can I do that? Huh? I actually, if you uh, don't, I will because he deserves something for taking that hit. Well, you know he did. He, he he had two punts for 96-yard average. That's a pretty good one. Um, but uh, uh, I, I have to go with Deontay Johnson with the punt return. I mean, what else is there? Yeah, he was the star, obviously, with that. Um, good kicking as well from, from Boswell, who's become just a solid guy that we, we remember from two years ago. I'll give it to Barry because uh, you said it. He had a 69-yard <laughs> punt in there. That one, he kind of outkicked the coverage, and it was a, a decent return on it. But still, two booming punts, and then he just got 
just lit up on that fake punt. So we'll give it to him for it's kind of a sympathy game ball for Jordan Berry for <laughs> for a tough go of it. No um, air in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now it's back home, Ed, for Buffalo, and you'll be back at the stadium, right? So the the return of the Steelers home and the return of Ed Bouchette to Heinz Field. Yeah, I've missed too many games with this darn back surgery, but I got the okay from the doc today, and I'm uh, ready to go, Tim. All right, that is good news for everyone that, that loves the Steelers and follows the Steelers. I'm excited to have you back. And so next Monday on the show, we'll have your reaction from the state or from having been at the stadium, which is always great as well that's gonna do it it's gonna be a fun one um it's a fascinating matchup with buffalo who i think at one point this season i felt like they were a good team that had just taken advantage of a bad schedule but i've come around now to believe that they really are a pretty good team and this is going to be a tough test right yeah and you know um steelers beat them and they probably climbed to the fifth seed uh they they would uh, climb ahead of buffalo that's for sure because they'd be tied and they would have the head-to-head Yeah, that head-to-head is key. So a key game at home, so the terrible towels will be waving. Should be a fun one. Uh, Moved, of course, to prime time. Again, a prime time game as it it was uh, moved up there. That just shows you how far the Steelers have come, that they're playing in football games that are being moved to prime time. All right, you want to hear more about what's going on across the league? The Football Fact Check podcast with Dave Damashek breaks down the latest news from across the NFL every Monday and Wednesday. Yet another great NFL podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. If you don't already follow Ed, do it on Twitter, at Ed Bouchette. He's easy to find. Great insights there. And thanks again as well to our producer, Marissa Morris, doing a great job behind the scenes. We'll catch up again later this week with a full preview of that Bills game with Mark Caboli. 